Le premier, c'est un groupe allemand, un groupe qui vient de Berlin, s'appelle Agitation Free. Rien dans la formation, rien dans ce qui se passe n'a au fond beaucoup de rapport avec les Rolling Stones. Et pourtant, on est bien obligé de mettre ça dans le rock parce que peut-être heureusement on n'a pas encore inventé un nouveau nom. Agitation Free, avec deux batteurs, avec quand même de la guitare, avec bien sûr un synthétiseur, avec toujours une guitare basse aussi. C'est un nouveau son et je crois une expérience assez curieuse et qui valait la peine d'être montrée à la télévision. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. Great having you all here with me. And I have a guest that's calling in from Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. Columbus, Mm -hmm. Ohio. I'd like to welcome uh, the owner and operator at Elizabeth's Records in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the show. Returning guest, David Lewis. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me back. It's great having you back. And I just want to mention real quick, David is a patron of the show. And uh, and a while, it was a while ago you were on, you did a, a Fleetwood Mac uh, album, right? Absolutely, yes. You did a Future Games. So not mm-hmm. a, he did not do a, a necessarily well-known one. But we'll discuss uh, we'll discuss all that. But David is a patron of the show, and if you want to become a patron of the show, like David and like so many other patrons, uh, they're awesome. You can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron of the show. That would be awesome. All right, so David, so you, I mean, obviously you you own a record store, and you when you sent this time, I had you send like a little information about you that we'll put in in the guest profile, and you you're a self described music geek, record mm-hmm. geek, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <Yes. laughs> you are. So you did pick something totally different from that record and something that I had I had never heard of before. And I'm I'm sure I'm guessing a lot of people haven't, but probably a, I know a lot of other listeners of the show are also record geeks and probably know this as well. So what are we talking about? What's the band and what's the album? Well, um and first of all I, I changed courses mid creek on you. So um, originally we were going to do that 10cc record. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But I decided to do something totally different because being 60 years old, you know, kind of sucks to talk about a record that's like 45 years old. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes you sound like you, you don't listen to, to new music or whatever. Now this particular record by Agitation Free, it was made in 1972. So it's still an old record. <laughs> Yeah, 
However, although I knew the group, I didn't hear a thing they did until like 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So they're kind of new to you. And and also, David, I'm going to say right off the bat, very ahead of their time, I think, in, in the music they're making and the sounds. Oh, yes, very much. For 1972, I was, all right, so that's cool. So you just discovered them. 10 years ago so uh this is their debut album melish which david this is funny the first thing when you told me melish you said agitation free melish i thought for a good couple of weeks that the band was melish and the name mm-hmm. of the album was agitation free and i'm looking for melish this band and i see this album and i'm going oh wait okay <laughs> when i was getting ready to download the music and uh yeah so tell us they're a german uh german uh rock group and this was released in 19 19- 72 on the Music Factory label, I guess. So you would call them, would, what would you classify them as? Um, well, they're of the Berlin School, which being behind the Iron Curtain was very, uh, kind of very inter-whatever, uh, where everybody knew each other and, and various people came and went through it. And so it wasn't really like a part of the Krautrock, which to me uh, mostly came from, you know, the main body of West Germany. Dream was from the same scene or Berlin. The Berlin bands were just slightly different. They were more radical. And so Agitation Free was kind of more freeform. Uh, they would do a lot of improvisations and they kind of set up uh, they had somebody that did uh, psychedelic things like Jefferson Airplane uh, you know, in the background. And oh, stuff. right, right. Play like, like films and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because they started out in 67 and uh, kind of like Golden Earring, there were two uh, mainstays, uh, the uh, bass player and uh, the, the guitarist, uh, Lul or Lutz Elbrick. And, uh, right, guitarist Lutz uh, Lul Ulbrich and the bass player uh, Michael Fame Gunther. Right? Gunther. Yeah. Gunther, yeah. And Fame, I guess Fame was his little uh, his nickname. Yeah, so they're the main guys. And then uh, I guess they had another uh, Lutz for a while, right? Lutz Ludwig Kramer on guitar and mm-hmm. Christopher Franke? Chris, Chris Franke, yeah. <laughs> Chris Franke, who went on to play with who? And Dream Dream. Kramer was eventually replaced by uh, George. George Schwenke. Schwenke, yeah, George Schwenke. Like the Schwenke brothers. <laughs> right, like the Schwenke brothers. <laughs> I think it's more Schwenke um, uh, because the E is often like K E is K. 
Schwenka. Oh, um, yeah, you're probably right. That does sound more German. On um, rhythm guitar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And, and the drummer, uh, the like we said, went to Tangerine Dream and was replaced by Berghard Rausch. Rausch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, so I, I see, I, I I did see also them described as German, like experimental Krautrock, but yeah, it's right. You really don't hear Krautrock in what they do, but... No, you know, there's a lot of things that's not. Right, exactly. That just jumped out at me when I first heard it. Yeah, I would say uh, ambient, so you could say ambient, uh, definitely experimental electronic, and, and there's some drone, but... There's, uh, it's funny because they're also, which usually I don't like uh, jam bands, but there's definitely a jam element to them, right? Right. But it's good, but it's but it's really good jamming. <laughs> oh, yeah. What they did was, like a lot of bands like that, they had like a ton of material and they kind of edited in. The, the samples were basically the bass player had this tiny little reel-to-reel recorder and he just recorded... Uh, off-the-cuff things, you know, battery-recorded. And uh, so they mixed that stuff in as transitions, mostly. But, uh, you know, this is just taken from hours of music that they just kind of sewed together into something that really, like, kind of makes sense as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and we should say... Yeah, we should say the album itself is broken into seven, you know, you could say songs or movements, but it's really, the music on it is really just one uh, a continuous piece that leads uh, in, into itself. Like, there's not, they, they made these breaks and they do uh, have the song titles, but yeah, it is one continuous piece. And, and uh, one thing I was going to ask you, I mean, we could get into it more when we're listening to it, but do you, do you think a lot of this is improvisation? Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think they kind of had it honed down a little bit. Right. Uh, so when they entered the studio, they had limitless time because who the hell records in West Berlin, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, they kind of tried to put things more together and that this is kind of the result of that. So it's, it's not just jams, it's, uh, music that they had played many times kind of arranged and put together uh, as a whole. It's, it's kind of like the way Can did things. Right, uh, right. Well, they they would the same way. Yeah, they would, they would record these long pieces and then edit them. Yeah, edit out, I guess, the best stuff. Because you could definitely, you could hear some improvising going on. You could hear them kind of playing off each other and moving into different areas. But they, they maybe also had some things worked out, you know, or that they had played before and said, oh, well, let's do that again. I also saw that they performed mm-hmm. at the Munich Olympics in 72. They did. Yeah, that's pretty wild. They did. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about how this album came about <laughs> because they were uniquely German. Uh, and being in West Berlin, they were very kind of shut off from a lot of influences. You know, they were in the English rock and roll and stuff. But... Uh, they were seen at one of their shows by uh, an attaché from the Gotha Institute. And he was impressed with the band and he worked out a cross-cultural trip for them to play and in, in, uh, travel in Egypt and Lebanon, Cyprus and Greece. And believe it or not, they were the first rock band to play in these countries, except for Greece, but 
Okay. They were the first rock band. Oh, wow. Um, okay, mm. so one thing I, I wanted to ask you before we get into it, obviously you heard it 10 years ago. This is the, the first thing you heard? This is what you heard by them at first? Well, um, I have a little story that goes with it. That's good. Let's do that. <laughs> um, we could rename this episode, This Record Almost Got Me Fired. Ah, <laughs> um, where, were you pl- where were you playing? Well, in the early days of the store, like, I don't know, up to about six years ago, I also had a daytime job in a warehouse uh, for Micro Center, the computer sales company. But it was this drab warehouse, and the only thing I could listen to was, was NPR all the time, and I got really sick of it. Right. So I discovered one day that, hey, I have the internet. I can go on YouTube and play records that are on there. <laughs> and so uh, one thing recommended another and recommended another. And this one came up and I'm like, wow, I've never heard of that. Or I've never heard it. So I played it. And the first time I played it, I was instantly addicted to it. So I was playing it numerous times a day for like a week. And one day I came back from lunch and the, the uh, boss of the whole place, the manager, and one of the leads was standing at my desk. And they had had it up and they were looking at it. And this album wasn't the one that was up. I was listening to Sabbath one, Sabbath. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they brought it up and they were looking at it. And uh, I came and asked if something was wrong. And uh, the lead explained to me, um, well, yeah, someone from IT at the main office said that this computer was using a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. And so we had to come and check it out and see why. Have you been playing YouTube on it? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so the, my, the uh, Boston place was like, okay, going forward, you have a radio. Just listen to your radio. Um, I'm, you're not in trouble this time, but if you do it again, you're fired. and then when he he walked away the lead was like you're very lucky that it wasn't porn you would have been fired immediately yeah that's true well i guess david in a way you could say this all kind of is porn for you though right this is your porn musical porn (laughs) right (laughs) um there were two albums that i discovered that you know i'd known of the groups but i'd never heard before this being one of them and the other one being uh, from the lion's mouth uh, by the sound. Excellent album, excellent album. And I'd never heard it before. Um, I thought, you know, with a name like that, even though they were on Echo Nebuchadnezzar's label, I'd, I'd just never heard it. Yep. But those two groups were my finds. Right. And it just, to me, you know, says that when you're 50 years old, there's still shit you can discover that you haven't heard yet. Oh, and yeah. that, to me, is just so important. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of that's like what keeps you 
the record collecting people and that that's what keeps you going right just the hope not just uh, finding things that they're looking for but maybe finding things that they didn't even know they were looking for exactly and that's that was such a thrill for me yeah and and you had mentioned that it was addicting and and i feel that way too because when i i started like i said i'd never heard it and uh, you know uh, once we're uh uh, once I finished my last episode, I did. I start listening to this, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is kind of cool." But yeah, a couple of times through, it's like really good and very well done, and uh, just r- really interesting. There's stuff, a lot of stuff going on, and also we didn't mention like I guess some people might classify this as as prog in a way. It is, uh, yeah. I, I put it in that. I would also say that, and this seems to be a consensus. They were one of the forerunners of world music oh right because right yeah this is a german band just totally inspired by the middle east you know right <laughs> right because this uh, yeah this album partially i mean some of the some of the found sounds and and voices they have on here is things they recorded when they were on that tour right yeah exactly i mean it starts out with, with the uh pilot from their the i don't know plane uh that was taking them around places but he's like uh you play for us right exactly <laughs> yeah you know, that's it's just like like a musical journey from there without like, you know, any any lyrical props or anything stupid like that. <laughs> dumb lane, you know, dumb lyrics of, together. Has, I mean, it's only like 40 something minutes long, but it has this feeling of, of having gone somewhere. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It, it does. And this is a good starting point. You mentioned uh, you play for us today. So let's listen. I want to first play the opening of it just because it starts out very subdued, like a, a lot of their pieces subdued and the uh, the bass sort of taking the uh, lead at first. And, mm-hmm. it, and it just builds and builds. So let's listen now to a little bit of the uh, you play for us. I fly the airplane and you play for us. Uh, Deal? <laughs> right. <laughs>
I listened to it like eight or nine times to it. Right, yeah. No, I've been listening to it. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I, I, as I said in the last episode we did, I've been working in uh, Miami Airport and I got kind of a long drive. And yeah, this is great long drive uh, music because the time usually takes me about 45 minutes to an hour. So it's perfect mm-hmm. uh, to listen to the record. And it's one of those things that you really want to listen to it. You want to listen to it, it all is. in one sitting, right? Yeah, yeah, it really plays well with that. Yeah, so as I said, this one, I mean, it really starts out uh, subdued with the bass, but it really builds and builds and more instruments come into play. We should mention, aside from the uh, musicians, we also have Uli Pop on uh, bongos on this one and Uh uh, Peter Michael Hamill uh, playing some Hammond organ. And um, yeah, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's really great. And then it kind of bleeds right into the second track, Sahara mm-hmm. City, which definitely uh, I'll play the beginning of it because it breaks out. Uh, initially, it previous it sounds like it's going to be this Middle Eastern sounding int- uh, song, right? Yeah, um, with the, the drums and stuff. Um, yeah, that's just like a belly dance yes. <laughs> uh, thing that they recorded in, in the bazaar somewhere. Okay, and, okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, but I, I, it, it does just like shift into something else, and I love how they do that. Oh, it's I know, because so... you think, like I said, you think, oh, okay, this is just like a belly dance Middle Eastern song, but very quickly it dissolves into these ambient sounds. Some of it is almost like noise. You know, uh, when I say noise, I'm not saying it in a negative connotation, but, you know, people, uh, uh, there are people that do, yeah, noise, uh, yeah, noise music. But definitely you hear some of that. Right. I I thought you were going to say noise, which is, you know, the German band. Oh, right, right. No, 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 I was Uh, just saying noise. which, (laughs) Which it does, I mean, those were contemporaries of theirs, and there are similarities where, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Noi. Uh, I am some, uh, somewhat familiar, more than I was with this band. Definitely. Yeah, I, I know them like the back of my hand. Oh, okay, but nice. um, they they were also very early on uh, sampling things outside of the studio. And like there's there's like water running in one of the songs and stuff. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of see a parallel there. And they, they also like, like Cluster, uh, they were all kind of experimenting what they called head music, uh, which, you know, it, it's, it's like something that you hear. It's, it's not beat music. It's not made to dance to. Right. It, right. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's made to listen to. And that's what I think makes it so unique. Uh, the kraut rock that I love all does that. It's, it's head music. You know, I, I, I like, I mean, the, a lot of can songs you can, obviously dance to them somehow <laughs> yeah but, right right but this isn't that but this is no. yeah very cerebral very in your head and uh and then i like yeah at around the five minute mark in this it eventually transitions into like it's it's funny it's almost like you could say a more traditional a traditional right exactly but yeah. still not really you know not like yeah
they achieved that a number of times. Yes. Uh, there's, yes. there's a long way to go, but the, the last song especially, you know, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, there, there are moments where they're just a two-guitar rock band where they could almost be Wishbone Ash or something. Exactly, and it's very frantic sounding. And this is what I was going to mention before when I said that they could be they could be classified as prog in a way. But what I really appreciate about them is that they're not necessarily virtuoso. We? Uh, well, yeah. uh, virtuoso musicians or something. You know, the guitar player, even though uh, he's great, and uh, you wouldn't call him a a shredder or anything like that. You know, not, not Robert Fripp. <laughs> exactly exactly but he has a very uh, unique style and a very the way he plays you know david i don't know if you noticed this but there's some a couple of songs in here the way he's playing these parts it reminds me of like bernie from new order uh, joy division new order like that type thing and i'm wondering if he was uh, i know he was kind of obsessed with the germans and everything for a while i wonder yeah, if he was a fan i mean part of the reason why we've never heard of this record or barely heard of it this record was released on Vertigo through this label that was German only. Um, so they knew about it in Germany, France, and to a degree in England. And it was never released in the United States, still hasn't been. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I, I never came across it. Right. So do you own this on vinyl now? Do you have it? I do. However, my copy is the 2012 reissue oh, okay. uh, that came out on like SPV, I think it is. Um, the original, I don't know if you looked on on uh, Discogs, but an original copy of it is going for about four thousand dollars. Oh, I had, I mean, I was, I was thinking, oh, I bet it goes for a lot, but I, had, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> well, I mean, just think about how small that pressing was, and yeah, they never right. got behind it and promoted it anywhere else. It's it's kind of a crime, but, you know, they got frustrated and broke up in 74. Um, I'm sure part of it was because their career never, you know, arched upward to the degree that they could have been, you know, craft work or something. Right, right, uh, right. Or, very... or Tangerine Dream, even Tangerine Dream, you could say, because that's right. uh, at least. All right, so the third uh, track, we could say, Ala Tool, that's Ala very Tool? Uh, a percussive heavy piece. You got mm -hmm. marimbas, you got the uh, timbales, and, uh, and it's cool because the rhythms sort of make the melodies in the song.
and they kind of they go more with the bass and the drums than they do with like the more guitar heavy tracks so it's kind of like it's kind of a, the kind of shift that that's in like oh i'm thinking of the black sabbath song with the mariachi in it oh right <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, you know is this every time it surprises me and it's a happy surprise and that's kind of the way it is with this is it just kind of works into this kind of you know lionel hampton meets uh uh <laughs> you know um milk jackson or something where they're just having a a vibe off or whatever i i think it's just really cool because it's just out there it's not something anybody would do but it sounds perfect in there yes it it and and for and again for the year 1972 i see my reference a lot of my references are punk because that's when i really got into music was early punk and what i hear in a lot of this in uh michael uh, gunther's uh bass the way the bass takes the lead sometimes and do it i hear like the stranglers like jj uh, burnell from the stranglers and yep. like i said i hear uh, peter hook uh new order and that so i i hear that you know that this maybe influenced some of that later uh because you know with that with the bass taking the uh the more of a lead uh lead part it's exciting and also i it's impressive i uh, whenever i listen to bands like this i'm impressed by how brave they are just going after their own sound and, and chasing whatever sound they are and not trying to sound like, you know, anyone else, but sort of, you know, blazing their own uh, territory, yeah. which has got to be, you know, it's got to be scary because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. Right. But being isolated as they were in West Berlin back then, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of programs and stuff that, that young people could do in university things and, you know, things to, to get people into doing artistic things. And uh, they kind of had some of that going for them. There was already a scene there that they could be a part of. Right. Um, but they also cultivated it. But they didn't ever have to say, okay, we need a hit, guys. Oh, right. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Because there was a supportive, yeah, like you said, a supportive art scene that this is just another form of art that will support it, which is the other secret sauce that you need for bands like this to be able to do anything. Is that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like a, it is kind of a punkish attitude. It's like no shit's given. We're doing what we're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, and I really I really appreciate that. Uh, all right. So side two starts out like it's. I mean, it's obvious why they call this part of it pulse, right? Yeah. Um, and 
primarily uh, Michael Hennick, who we haven't really talked about yet. But Michael Hennick is one of two people from the band that is well-known outside of the band. <laughs> um, Michael Hennick is uh, somebody that, that they're all still working, except for one of the guys who is a junkie and died. Uh-huh. Um, but Michael Hennick is working in, mostly in Hollywood. He did uh, some work with Tangerine Dream. He, he toured with them briefly, but then he came back and he was the first German artist signed to a major label deal. Uh, in 78, he put out an album on Warner Brothers called uh, From the Northern Wasteland, I believe it's called. Synthesizer record. I, you've probably seen it. it's like purple and it has like like uh, balloons on it. Oh, okay. And uh, it's it's like the best Tangerine Dream record that never came out. Oh, okay. Tangerine <laughs> it's it's excellent. I mean, I so I was ultra familiar with that, and I knew that he came from Tangerine Dream. But uh, Pulse is really the first song on there where you hear Michael Hennick a lot. look it up it's called the ems synthy a mm-hmm. which is an early oh, okay. uh, analog synthesizer yeah so he you know he didn't have like a huge you know he wasn't keith emerson or anything right right but exactly as as he went on he became uh more of a studio performer and uh uh right now he's still working he's doing a lot of uh, soundtrack stuff uh video game stuff um he did the soundtrack to blob Oh, nice. He, uh, he collaborated with, with uh, uh, Philip Glass on Koyana Skatsi. Oh, okay. Uh, See, th- that, that, that I was, know. Right. That, I, that, that I was know. his work. Um, oh, they nice. Worked at, so, you know, he's, he's probably the best known of all of them. 
um, certainly the only one known in America. Um, right. But but like we're saying, this song really kind of is the first one to really feature him. Yeah, and it's great. The um, uh, just you could hear the beginning. You know that this is the early '70s, and you could hear. Uh, them working to get those these new sounds which were, were like super new then it must have sounded so like uh, futuristic you know <laughs> and they still sound right. and they still sound great now yeah that's the thing they they really do i mean not to not to get on keith's case but you know he was a lot of like re 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 right you know and, <laughs> yeah right, right and you know this context they're making it a little more musical you know, um, it's it's like uh, not like you said before. It's not trying to be a virtuoso. No, 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 no. And it's almost like some of it sounds like later they eventually had sequencers, but it sounds like a like pre sequencer. But some of it sounds like it could be that. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, and, and really great, done so well. And then I love this one. Sort of bleeds into the Khan El Khalili, which has got these really great uh, like avant-garde i would say ambient sounds and this really great drumming we haven't mentioned the drummer that much but he all uh, right. he does some great stuff uh burkhard uh Rausch. Uh-huh. yeah just great uh marshall there's some marshall drumming breaks into this guitar bass groove that sounds like you know what you know what it to me i it's remind me of like a like vaguely indie alt country like a little you know but like like you know if you if you've gotten a time machine and then went back to 2nd album by Agitation Free. I just today I just got to dig into it a little, and that's definitely more of that, right? Almost some of it, more of the of the jammy stuff, but still good, right. really good. But yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing that gets me about that, and they they had changed guitarists. Uh, um, unfortunately, 
uh, George went and got fired because he was being a junkie. Oh, right. And he went off and he eventually, you know, he lived on the streets and died in 1990. But they had this uh, jazz guitarist that uh, replaced him. Diaz was his last name. And uh, he only played on that second album. And there are times to me, and listen back to it and you'll hear it, where it sounds like the Almond Brothers. Oh yeah, no, I have that written down. I have that. I have that right here. Yes. Oh, and, and, yeah. I love the Almond Brothers when they did stuff like that. Me I, too. I, no, I, me too. Uh, Jessica, I'll sit and listen to that the whole goddamn yeah, song. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the sound of guitars in unison. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. why we love Thin Lizzy. That's why exactly. We, we like on <laughs> ass, you know. Yep. Um, it's it, what it was the appeal of. You know, the 80s version of King Crimson. It's just two guitars together sound great. Right, right. Yeah, they do. And it's funny, you mentioned that some of them eventually succumbed. Uh, they were junkies. I also I, I also am reminded of the Velvet Underground, in a way, and some of the things they do, you know? Well, you know what? <laughs> There's a funny connection to that. I, really? Uh, the I, I figured there had to be some connection. Well, Luce Ulbrich, um, who went on after after agitation free he's the blonde guy in the group okay. um and he joined manuel gutshing uh from ashra temple and they became ashra so he worked extensively after after this group and uh in france uh he happened to meet nico and nico moved to berlin and had her really bad junkie phase and he was her boyfriend and oh. uh, was along for that ugly ride but unlike the other guy that, that eventually died he you know one of the things the interviews with him he's like and that, unfortunately I was a junkie at the time <laughs> right 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 so he, he got through it and he worked past it and still you know kept going and you know, refound his muse or never lost his oh, muse. Oh, he, he made it through to the other side, which is, yeah, not not always the case, right? Especially when you get involved with uh, Nico. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting connection and aside. You know, in that period of Berlin, have you ever seen Christian F., the movie? No. Um, David Boyd did the soundtrack to it. It was basically a snapshot of late 70s Berlin. And uh, Bowie's Berlin trilogy is kind of like uh, mostly the soundtrack to it. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) But they're all junkies. Like, all the kids are just junkies, you know? (laughs) They're they're like 13 years old, and it's like, you know, I need to score some heroin, you know? And it's just like... Oh, I remember. Yeah, I've read about that film. I hear it's uh, disturbing, kind of uh, disturbing. Disturbing and beautiful. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because... That's that's a snapshot of a time and a place that you'll never see again. Right, right, right. Probably uh, just as well. But um, speaking of uh, disturbing and beautiful, there's some vocals at the end of this, more of the found vocals that, that sort of give it a very mysterious quality. And then uh, the found singing leads into the next one, which is the title track, Malesh, which I feel like is kind of like the centerpiece of the record. I Oh, 
um, I, I believe you're talking about the part where all the defenders like, and it just like develops into the prayer songs. Right, 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 right. Uh, the prayer songs they would do like several times a day, uh, and they would do them through these really feedback out um, PA systems, <laughs> so they sound like they're just really loud and distorted and uh, almost kind of evil sounding. Yeah, well, this this whole thing, uh, Malesh, it's about eight eight, eight minutes uh, plus of like this slow building. Uh, musical, which starts out that again, it's got that throbbing drone like to it, but then it morphs into all these different things. And I love how the tempo they'll do a tempo change and the mood changes. And that's why this one, especially, I feel like it's just very, uh, very high level, like people playing with each other and sort of like uh, moving with each other through a piece. And it's just really great to listen to. And I don't know, I like, I don't understand, David, why I really don't like jazz people and i say all the time i'm not a fan of jazz but i could listen to something like this and i really enjoy it and appreciate it i don't know yeah. what the difference is maybe you just can't be that good other than i wouldn't good musician <laughs> and i don't like well, it well i don't know because i i love jazz well yeah <laughs> i had a feeling I, you, I you see a kind of correlation in in that they were free uh there's free jazz and there's free rock right 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 uh, their direction was less jazz and more free classical music you know like thomas kessler is one of their their uh, sponsors or whatever oh, um, okay. he's a composer but they were more part of like almost a semi-classical feel maybe that's it then that's my jam because i like that I, like i enjoy classical music too so i like classical music mm -hmm. and i like when things but i also i'm such a rock guy that i need my music to have some kind of rock base to it which this does too so maybe you know right. you know how it is we all like whatever it is we like right uh, oh so, i do yeah. <laughs> but that's why you know I'm, we're doing a rock record and i'm not making you sludge through I love Supreme or something, you know. Yeah, you could have. Well, eventually, someone's gonna eventually, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, that's and that's fine. So, David, something I was gonna ask you. I'm curious. Do you carry like you said there was a reissue vinyl of this? Do you, do you carry that in your store? And do you like turn people maybe play it in the store? Like, and have you turned people onto this uh, before in the store? Um, I was able to get it like like five years ago. Um, now you can easily get it on Discogs, but I don't know of any distributor that that still has it. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I carried it in the store for a while. But it's funny that you should ask that because I was playing it several times in the store today. And I had several different people ask, what what group is this? And this is great. Right, and, right. Um, you know, and I had to show it to them and they're like, how much is this? And I'm like, this is my copy. It's mine. I can't sell it. <laughs> Classic uh, record you know, store guy. <laughs> in, in retail, I mean, that's that's kind of verboten. Of course. But it's my store. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I have the right to, to tell people, well, you know, this is mine. Um, but I also explained to them what I was doing and why I was listening to it repeatedly. Right. Okay, good. But uh, yeah, it is something like if I was just, uh, you know, wandering into a store and I heard it playing, I would definitely ask, wow, what is this? Because it, there is, there's something about it that it's not, because sometimes uh, the rap on some people I know just don't like ambient music because they feel like it's background, too much background music and it doesn't grab you. But this yeah. is definitely interesting enough where it grabs you. And it's sort of, like you said, it sort of plays around in your head it's like it's like head music it's not necessarily going to make you move your body but it's going to make your head like uh and your ears uh perk up 
Yeah. And going back to, to Melesh, the, the song, I like how, how you were saying, you know, how it builds up. And it builds up to this point, and then it just kind of goes... Yeah. <laughs> it just gets sucked into this kind of other other world reality type thing where it's just kind of like a you know an echo in your mind or something where you you're still processing yes like like cognizant of everything that's that's going on and that you just heard right um it, it's definitely music that grabs your attention that you can't just put on and not notice at least not me but before I, we're we're getting to the last song and my advice to you would be to go ahead and play it's only two minutes long go ahead and play the whole song and then we'll talk about it yes So that is called now. How you pronounce this, David? It's um, it's Rockstars, and is it's it almost is it German stars. for rock star, or is it supposed to be sort no. of like uh, phonetically rock stars? Well, 
it's part of the journey. It means recoil or abrupt return. Ah, okay. Uh, so in their context, it's an abrupt return to their reality, which is back in Berlin. But assuming that we're talking after they hear the song, I don't know what your reaction was, but the first time I heard it and it ended like that, it just made me start all over again because I wanted more of it. Oh yeah, you're right because you're really getting because it's it's different it, it, it kind of stands out from the record because it's got this uh a chord structure like a repeating chord structure which they don't usually do anywhere they don't do really anywhere else on the record really. And it's got right. this uh, there's they're soloing over this chord structure but it's really good and it gets this groove but, but, but yeah, like you said, 2 minutes you're really getting into it and then it just ends. And uh yeah, and and that, that in and of itself is awesome and, and brave to do something like it that. Is. Right? It is. It is. It's one of my favorite things about the album. And it just, you know, it made me want to go, God, what else do they have? I mean, I need to, to find all of this stuff. It does, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's great because it just makes, like you said, it makes you go, uh, want to go right back to the start. And actually, I'm going to, I think in the outro, because on Spotify and I guess on a release at some point, maybe a CD release, they added a uh, live track. An extra track. Yeah. And the thing about that extra track, which I've been hearing, you know, as many times today as I heard the whole album. Right. Is it ends with, with Rookstock, but the guitarist fucks up at the end. Oh yeah. Yeah, so they do. And I'm going to play, I'm going to play all that. I'm going to have that in the outro. Cause it's really great. <laughs> it is, but it's very frustrating because I'm like, dude, get with the rest of the band you know it's like <laughs> maybe there was some maybe there was some heroin involved at that at that particular juncture i don't know yeah there could have been <laughs> could have but it's it just and i'm a fan of stuff that falls apart i mean i'm a huge sonic youth fan you can just do whatever right but that song it kind of kills it <laughs> like i was listening to a friend of mine with a friend of mine that was in town today and he uh He's a musician as well. And I, you know, I explained it to him and I play it and he's like, yeah, that really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I'm a, I'm kind of a musician too, but I, it, it doesn't bother me for some reason. I, I, I love it. So I guess maybe, you know, different strokes. <laughs> well, I don't it's it. great. I'm just, it's just frustrating, you yeah. know, and sometimes you love things. I get it. Oh, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, David, I wanted to ask you, uh, so the, the name of your record store is Elizabeth's and that's named mm -hmm. after your daughter who's mm -hmm. a teenager now, right? Right. And Elizabeth was named after my band. I, my oh, band right. in Austin, uh, my second band there <laughs> was called Elizabeth. So she's named after the band and the band was named after Elizabeth Short, who was the Black Dahlia, which was was then kind of like an obscure little reference. There wasn't like movies and stuff about right, the Black right. Dahlia. Now, now it's more well-known, right? Yeah, but, I, you know, I I'd lo always loved the name Elizabeth. Yes. And I looked it up, and, and there was a band called Elizabeth that put out one album on Vanguard in the late 60s. But my Elizabeth was modeled after, well, I saw a band of Susan's, um, I was really into uh, the the Sonic Youth stuff, but I wanted to to have it be like Sonic Youth times two. Um, so we had four guitarists and drummer and two oh, female Jesus. bands. And it was the band that, when it broke up, it, it just so totally broke me that I never had another band. It's, it, you know, it was perfect. 
Um, fortunately, some of the guys are still working. One of them is, is a keyboardist in my education, which I don't know if you've heard them. They're kind of like Austin's version of Portis. really 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 good new album um so check out my education they're great all right awesome um, i will but what i was going to ask you about elizabeth about your elizabeth is what is she like is this something she would appreciate at all or what does she listen to or, or um, does she think a lot of the stuff you listen to is just crazy she doesn't pay attention to it anymore she doesn't pay attention now that's good when, though when you're, she you're better was off. little she, she'd love to you know we would just drive around in my car and, and you know she'd be like daddy play roxy music you know and stuff like that and and right. and like you know she would really listen to things like like can you know we were listening to can cd and, and it came with uh turtles have short legs and and she's like how come this song sounds more normal you know so right. she, she was able to she was paying discern. attention yeah and listening and now you know I mean, she owns a record store. Who cares, you know? Oh. So <laughs> I know that she's going to get into it again at some point. Yes, yeah, she will. But, that she yeah. But I'm just being uh, <laughs> the opposite of, of my parents and saying, yeah, if you like Billy Eilish, right? you know, she's pretty good. Go ahead. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just encouraging them to, to explore and like. Yeah, because you have to anyway. They they're they're gonna like what they like at the end of the day anyway. So. When I was her age, I was well. You know that I'm a big, huge King Crimson fan. Yeah. And so I was listening to that stuff like as much stuff like that as I could get it. You know, Van de Graaff and you know and all this stuff. Right. My mom used to come in the room and she's like, "Can't you listen to more, more normal music like they have on the radio?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor mom's probably wondering like where she went wrong. <laughs> well, my mom, uh, bless her heart, she's she's going through dementia now, but she was not a music lover, and so whatever I got, I got totally on my own. Right, um, it, it's all within me um, because my dad's not really into it either. You know, it, it's just something where I was captivated by music from a very early age you know right. i listened i heard the beatles on the radio in 1964 when i was very small so that woke me up and that made me a person that started the, the germ of what is me and my whole life is music you know I, I saw the king crimson documentary last night and it made me cry thinking that god i you know they've been around for 50 years <laughs> and i've i've been into them for 45 of those years. And were and you really crying? Like, were you really crying, David? <laughs> I was. Oh, wait. But I think I think the last episode we did, you meant you were crying at some point, too. So maybe you, you're just an I, easy I, crier. <laughs> I am. Well, music is very emotional to me. No, and no, that, that's fine. I, I get that. Believe me. And I'm not totally, I wouldn't mock you. I've well, One of the most uh, punk rock people I know, I know this uh, punk drummer, Fausto, and he'll literally cry at the drop of that at anything. Very... Yeah, emotional well, about going to be a music will will make him cry. So yeah, there's nothing wrong. With that. Music makes me cry. There are certain things that every time I hear, it, I get weepy. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, like the mariachi part in the Black Sabbath song. You know, I'm just like, oh my god, and I'm, I'm like feeling that 
that little itchy part in my brain where it's just like exciting as as exciting as it was when I was listening to it on the eight track in my my dad's truck in nineteen seventy two. Right. You know. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's just, it's it always stays that way. Um and I don't have a problem with with that, with being emotionally available because that's a big part of the listening experience is being available for the music. It's not just it's not meant as a commodity. It's meant as something that can change your life potentially. Yeah, you know? see, yeah, that's good. I appreciate that because that's not. I feel like not all record people are like that. Some people are more right. just about the 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 ownership and and the uh, you know fetishizing of a, a particular record <laughs> or something. And it sort of takes. It's like no. It's just, at the end of the day, it's still got to be about the music, right? First and foremost, right? Yeah. Well. Don't get me totally wrong. You're talking to a guy that has six distinctly different versions or copies of the first King Crimson record. <laughs> okay, uh, right. So don't give me too much credit. But I, uh, yeah, yeah, right. right. Every time I hear um, my my jam in that album is uh, there's a part in Moonchild where after the vocals, where it's basically like xylophone and, and like kind of weird jazz guitar you know it's just like ding, 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 and it's just um that's head music to me that that one part of that song it's not like they're known for kind of being overbearing and all the loud mellotron and stuff well this song is just the the instrumental part is just so sweet and every time i hear it i'm able to slow down my breathing and get into that special spot ah. <laughs> You brought a, didn't you bring a King Crimson in one of our uh, patron episodes before? Was that you? Or was that, you did, right? That's what I thought. Yeah, you did. That was uh, the instrumental. The instrumental. Was, uh, yeah, the, it was great. Oh. You gave me a specific. It had to be this live recording of it, and I had to do it at a certain spot. And yeah, you definitely knew. Uh, you you knew exactly what you were you were getting for getting at what you were going for. Yeah, <laughs> I know that music dangerously well. I, right. I know it better than I know myself. Oh, so, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you, b before we sign up, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I had Marcus Reuter on uh, recently, who's a guitar player. And I saw him uh, just, you know, like at the beginning of the summer with Stickman. Oh, nice. Okay, right. They were incredible. He's great, um, right? Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked him. What did you make of the whole Robert Fripp, like during the pandemic, him and uh, his wife, Toya, those videos? <laughs> um, at first, I, I loved it because, like, I've met Robert. And I know that there's, like, if you listen to some of the solo stuff and his, like, in-betweens and stuff, there's a real wry sense of humor there. Right, right. So I knew that there was always that there. And at first, I was really kind of enlightened and happy about it. But now it just keeps going on and on and on. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, and it's become less about Robert Fripp playing Nirvana as, you know, let's let's see uh, Toya's boobs, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's just, I, I, it's become way bigger than, than it's become his. bigger, yeah. Mar Marcus his, had a very a diplomatic answer. He said, I could appreciate something without liking. I don't necessarily have to like it. <laughs> right. You know, I like the original 
thought of it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Fact, yeah, and it looked like he's having fun. he was gen- having fun, and that's good. You know, being a good sport about it. But the, it was funny. He said that sometimes it looks like he's not really like he's doing it against his will or something. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the ones lately, I like I I don't watch them all the way through, but the latest ones, the latest few, they've had like another guitarist. In yes. Them. Yeah. Right. You know, and I don't know. I just that's I was crazy. like. It was great starting out, and now I'm just way better. <laughs> okay, uh, understand. And, you know, I, I I love that he's having fun. And yeah, exactly. God, he probably exactly. said he loved his wife. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, that's boy. my thought on that. Is it's <laughs> it's it's done. Kind of the it's, same. Yeah, kind of the same uh, take as uh, Marcus said. Uh, all right. Well, David, this was awesome. It was great. I uh, hopefully we we turned some people on to Agitation Free. Uh, uh, this is a really great album, and they're great. Definitely worth uh, digging into uh, if you're into any yeah. of this stuff that, uh, that you heard. I would recommend. I know Neil Young doesn't want me to have it, but I I use Spotify. I know. And me I use too. Spotify me because too. I because I can make these mixtapes exactly. and people of our age made mixtapes for everybody. Right, exactly. So my advice would be to look this up on, on the Spotify and there's like such a thing as like an agitation free uh, playlist. Right, right. And it'll and, and it's great, right? I was doing that. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I was doing that today because once the records stopped, like once I got through it, it just went on playing random things in the same vibe and it was great. Yeah. So my advice is that if you like some of what you heard tonight um check it out that way and it'll open up a whole other world that you may not have known about yeah uh, i think so you know and i think that everybody needs to to keep doing that keep finding things that we didn't know were there exactly it, it makes life interesting yes and david if you were gonna if you were gonna go out on a limb what's something else you think a lot of people should do if if they listen to the show enjoy the show um, something else they should do or listen to, or no? What does what should they do? I'm just, I'm trying to leave you on. They should become a, a patron. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, exactly. Shameless. I and know. I, I'm shameless. Uh, you know, and I'm very proud and happy to do that because it's a show that I enjoy. And you know, I have to admit, I don't listen to every second of every episode. Right. Right. But right. They, I I enjoy what I do here, uh, what I have time for, and what I can get away with playing in the store. Right. You know, because all of these people are like me. You know, you're not on the show if you're, you're just uh, a passenger. Casual, yeah, yeah, you're just casual. Right you know, so, uh, you know, I'm just a music geek, just like you're a music geek, and different things get me high. I mean, I'm I'm way punk rock, too. Right. Um, I totally did all that, and I like country rock, I like you know, so it's, it's just like you like what you like. That's what I always tell people is like what you like. That's it. Don't be ashamed of it. If, if you like Billie Eilish, like Billie Eilish. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, I don't, I don't care about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I like her music. I think she's great. Yeah, me too. But it doesn't make me think less of you if you like Taylor Swift or something, you know. Yep. It's like, yeah, I like her. She's good. Um, music is music. And it, I mean, even crap like Right Said Fred. You know, <laughs> has its place, life. right? It all has its place. So that's my advice: is just like what you like, explore, become a Patreon, there you uh, go. <laughs> and uh, contribute to the greater good, which is what I see myself doing. Yes. Um, 
And, you know, this is the person who um, is still paying $5 a month uh, to Stitcher because I can't figure out how to get out of it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe so, your daughter, ask your daughter. She could probably help you get out. <laughs> she could probably figure it out. Um, well, so, Catherine knows how to do it, but, you know, um, but yeah, you know, you're giving $5 a month to, to a pretty good cause this is definitely a show that i want to keep going i look forward to being on it again in about a year yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and uh and if someone wants to check out uh uh, check out your record store because another thing we should mention is people should support their local record store and elizabeth's record in columbus ohio but uh you guys absolutely you have a a site for the store elizabeth's site well our website isn't so up to date okay but we have a strong uh Facebook presence and a strong Instagram presence. And we also sell a lot of stuff on Discogs. And our Discog stuff is different than what's in the store because I bought out a closed record store a couple of years ago and I have like thousands of 45s on there. So if you're into finding weird, obscure 45s, uh, Ah, our Discog site, Eliza Records, I believe is called. Um, yeah, those has links, all kinds of stuff. All those links will be on your guest uh, on your guest profile on the episode. Yeah, thanks again, David. Uh, this was great. Don't forget, everyone, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. I met Mark Garita in person. I was in California. We had a little meetup, and I, I got to meet uh, the creator of that Facebook group. Got me high. The mysterious Mark yeah. Garita. It was a lot of fun uh, on Twitter. I saw the pictures. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. I didn't know. I didn't know that anyone anyway, was last minute. I said, "Hey, anyone in the area?" And a, a bunch of people came. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yep. Uh, you could follow me at uh, on Twitter trgmh33 at gmail.com. And if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. David, thanks again. This was great. Mm, thanks, Rob. All right, we'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. Bye bye.